Hello, it's Pete here, the Managing Director of Game on Australia and co-host of the Game on Australia podcast. Myself and Dan, we're on holidays at the moment. It's the Christmas period. We're enjoying some much-needed gaming and spending time with the family and all that sort of stuff as well. Uh, But we will be back week commencing January 7 and really looking forward to getting into it. In the meantime, make sure you check us out across all of our social media at gameonaus.com and everywhere else. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, the whole lot. But we thought we'd go through our archives and dig out some of our old favourites, whether they be interviews or just general things that gamers are talking about or even top news that might have made it that week. So, in so saying, enjoy the best of the Game on Australia podcast. All right, here we go. One, two, one, two, three. Game on, game on. It's game time. Excellent. Game on, game on. It's game time. Excellent! Wargaming has now deployed World of Tanks mercenaries to console. It's out now, and the studio has come a long way since it was founded in Belarus in 1998, releasing a little tabletop project called DBA Online. It now numbers over 4,000 people working in a number of offices across the globe. And here's a fun fact. Apparently, it's the largest taxpayer in Cyprus, where its headquarters is located. One of those 4,000 people charged with keeping the company on the right caterpillar track is senior game designer Daryl Higa, and he joins us on the Game on AUS podcast now. So good to have you here, mate. Hello. Hi. Mate, uh, before we get stuck into all the nitty-gritty and World of Tanks mercenaries being deployed to console, tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do at uh, Wargaming.net. Yeah, so um, uh, we have a lot of studios all over the place, and the studio that's sort of responsible for doing the console product is our Chicago-Baltimore studio. Uh, We're actually split between the two cities here uh, in the U.S., and um, I'm in the Chicago office, and specifically my uh, my title on the project, I guess it's technically a senior game designer, but I'm really sort of the narrative designer for the project, so uh, what I've been working on is sort of the story and the background and the universe that uh, the game is set in. Actually, our company is really intense about historical, the historicity of a lot of our things. For instance, we have uh, regional historians that actually go and because honestly, sometimes the documentation isn't accurate enough, we actually send them out in the field to actually where they find real pieces of equipment and they'll verify that the blueprint thickness is the actual thickness of a tank armor as an example so they're always digging through archives and things like that so we actually have uh, that's how serious the company takes history uh, that being said i'm working on the console product and we're doing things that have story elements in them so of course that's the part that i'm working on of course. but yes we we do in, we do a lot of intensive research so how much does the console product differ from the pc product if at all. Uh, so first of all, uh, it's one of those weird things is that we're both called World of Tanks. So I think the immediate assumption is we're just the console port. But actually, the decision was made at inception that would, it would actually be two separate products that use the same, I guess, the same data. So for instance, you know, like the tank armor thicknesses and things like that. That's, that's the data that we share. And we still share the same uh, server infrastructure on the back end. But the consoles, uh, the console and the PC are basically two completely separate clients, and um, which which means uh, almost everything is different in a weird way. Like all of our sort of the base information on and how physics works and all that other stuff are kind of shared on the server side, but. Um, basically, we built our product considering that someone is not going to be sitting right next to a monitor with a keyboard and mouse in hand, but are going to be sitting on their sofa looking at a TV that might be pretty far away and have a controller in hand. So every small details like how the um, tanks handle to um, render, rendering details to even like FOV and things are all adjusted. So. Uh, we're similar to the PC product, but we're, we're definitely not the same thing. This is mind-blowing because never, I mean, obviously I have absolutely zero experience when it comes to designing games and developing and all that sort of stuff. And I actually had no idea that there was, that that's the sort of stuff that you have to take into account, even those little things like sitting in front of a keyboard and a mouse versus sitting on the couch being a few metres away from your television screen. 
Yeah, so like for instance, if you look at, if you're, uh, for those of your viewers who are f familiar with our PC product, it has a v lot of high density information on the screen and it's accessible through, you know, pull down menus and things like that. That doesn't really work well on the console and our console gamers are slightly different and they're looking for a slightly different experience. So of course we have to redesign everything. So we keep all the details, but we don't necessarily keep the same user interface and how we get, get that information. Yeah. And also... You know, we focus on slightly different aspects of the gameplay. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things that's been a fair bit of debate in the industry at the moment is console crossplay. Uh, have you guys broached that subject with Xbox and PlayStation? And you know, have you had that conversation yet? Yeah, everyone loves to ask us that question. Um, <laughs> I, I can only say that if if all the first parties would simply agree, we could just turn it on. Yeah. At, yeah. I mean, you know, when we're doing our development work day to day, uh, we have all the platforms talking to each other. Uh, so this is really just a question of all of the, uh, I won't name names, but all of the uh, first party <laughs> getting together and agreeing that it's okay for uh, a specific product to go ahead and be um, multi-platform. So we, we ask them all the time. It's not like we don't think about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, we actually operate in that environment when we're developing all the time uh, so that we can make sure that everything's all in alignment. So it's more a question of uh, getting the permission to do so. <laughs> Fair enough. So, you know, everyone, if, if, if there's a certain, you know, manufacturer or, or first party that's really interested in this stuff, you know, and let them know that you're interested in it too. I mean, that's the only thing I can say. Yep, absolutely. Um, Trying to be very political there, yeah. So uh, we've got Xbox, we've got PlayStation. Is there mm -hmm. um, any plans to release it on Nintendo as well? So apparently, <laughs> I've actually been on record saying something about this and somehow what I said got really exaggerated. So my exact words are, our management is always looking at all the different platforms uh, one criteria I will say that's a little bit different for free-to-play is we have to make sure that the install base reaches a certain size and then the network support reaches a certain uh, robustness. When those two conditions are met, then it makes sense to make a free-to-play game on it. Yeah. And so that's the kind of things we're looking for. Uh, hint, right, I guess. <laughs> right. So when those two things are in alignment, then we can then we can pursue that. Uh, it, you know, usually it's one of those things where we definitely are always looking at it and we have teams evaluating it, but it's more a question of we have to make sure that the numbers work oh, because we also have the issue of mm, crossplay again, right? Like we have to make sure that if we're on a new platform, we're on established platforms. So we know that we can get a server count up to a certain level so that the user experience is good. But in, with a new game and a new platform, we may not immediately have enough server density and we don't have a bad experience for the users. So that has to either be compensated through crossplay or an assurance that we can get enough uh, user density to make the servers work. I, that's, that's not the answer that a gamer wants to hear, obviously, like me as a gamer and I play other you know, companies' products too. That's not the answer you want to hear, but that's the reality, especially for free to play, but that because is... we're not collecting any money up front. Right? Sure, but I mean, you know, I've got to be honest. Like, a, like as a gamer, um, I actually would rather hear answers that make complete sense, and that makes complete sense because at the end of the day, you don't want to be a developer putting out a game that um, the technology isn't there to support your game properly, because all of the bad press and the the bad vibes and all that sort of stuff are going to come back on you, not the actually not the actual company whose platform the game is on. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't like to point fingers at any of our partners, but obviously everything has to be in place or it's just really hard to work. And free-to-play in particular, we have to be very careful because, you know, I mean, honestly, we, you know, they have to keep the lights on. We have to keep the servers running. We have to pay ourselves, right? So um, there has to be a viable economic platform. And it's just a question of and, – and, and trust me, I mean, it's like we want to be in as many platforms as possible. Wargaming as a company has been really aggressive about putting uh, some version of tanks on almost every platform. And you can play it in uh, mobile. You can play it on PC. You can play it on console. Uh, you know, there are very few platforms that we're not out on yet. And usually those platforms, we just have to reach a certain critical mass for us to make it work. Um, now, before you were... Uh, in this particular role where you're helping to create and guide the narrative elements of World of Tanks. Um, and by the way, for those of you watching right now, we will get to World of Tanks Mercenaries on console and the information there in just a moment. But I just wanted to talk to you about your experience as a live producer. Before 
this was the role that you had before what you're doing now. Can you tell us exactly what it is that you were taking care of as a live producer? Things like live game health, for example. Yes, yeah. So uh, we take that very seriously. So there's a multitude of things that we need to monitor. First of all, we have to monitor the actual health of the game and make sure that all the components are working. And um, and it's a very complicated piece you know piece of software you have servers and you have we have to communicate you know when someone makes a decision sometimes they're communicating with uh, the first party which is you know sony or microsoft or sometimes we're dealing with our own back end or sometimes you know like if there's a financial transaction for instance we also have to deal with credit cards and everything else so all of these things have to be working so as live producer my responsibility was to sort of monitor all that on top of that we also have a robust community a community that loves to tell us when we're doing things right and when we're doing things wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, of course, I mean, that, that's great. Actually, you know, it's really funny because people say, wow, it must be really depressing to hear that all the time. And I go, no, actually, the worst thing to hear as a game developer is silence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. When you have, and this sounds really weird, and I know some people, this may actually anger some community members, but when we actually get negative feedback in some ways that's encouraging to us that people care about the game, and it means we have to fix things, obviously, or we have to find good solutions, but it it tells us that people are engaged in the game enough to care. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, I've worked on some games where it's just like people didn't care that it was out there, and that's really disheartening. So when people have positive feedback, it makes us feel really good. When people have negative feedback, we go, uh-oh. But it actually is also, you know, it's good news. And that's why we took it seriously. So my position as live producer was also to help monitor the community. Uh, we um, Publishing did most of the actual events with our community. But because we wanted to have a tight feedback loop, as a developer, we set up an internal mechanism to make sure that we, we find out about hotspots hopefully before they get critical, yeah. right? And sometimes that's that just doesn't happen, but we try to do it that way. So we have a very tight iteration loop going, you know, well, some people say, you know, we don't think that this is right. And then we immediately put our own QA staff on testing something out or checking balance or things like that. And that's how, that's how we operate. The, um, I got to just say, when it comes to feedback, uh, that, to the community watching right now, there are nicer ways to do feedback as well. So there is constructive ways and there are not so constructive ways. So let's yeah. all just keep that in mind when it comes to, yeah, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, just saying something sucks doesn't really help us figure out what the problem is. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, I, and I will say this, and I don't mean to be negative, but a lot of times we have to provide what people are asking uh, what they want not what they're asking for which is a subtle difference but sometimes the solution that they're looking for will actually cause other people harm or will make the situation will actually make the game experience lesser for other people yeah. so what we have to do is that we have to always balance all those factors so we try to we're trying to serve the largest number of people whenever we make changes because like balance the classic example because like some people get very upset about it and then we have to check the statistics and everything else and uh, and we do keep track of it i mean like i like to say we have on record every shot that's ever been fired on any server during any battle what uh, that's the, that's a level of uh, detail that we have logged so uh, sorry so, sorry hang on a sec every shot yeah. that's ever been fired on every server ever you have that on record where where do you keep something like that? That's a huge volume of information. Uh, it, 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 some of that does expire after a while, but definitely uh, any shot that caused a death would definitely log. So we're able to generate um, exact pairings of firing heat, uh, and uh, casualties and all this other stuff. So a lot of people will sometimes say, well, are you guys really balancing this stuff? And and I'll say, honestly, we we make really big efforts because we have pretty exacting data. We have whole, um, basically, uh, spreadsheets and, and uh, systems set up to be constantly monitoring all of these balancing factors. And, you know, our, our lead uh, game designer our, um, is uh, Jeff Gregg, and he's actually posted some YouTube videos on our channel about the process of balancing and everything else. And I know that sometimes in the community they'll say, well, you guys are making this numbers up or something like that. And we are <laughs> really do. I mean, it doesn't really serve us to make these numbers up. And I understand yeah. why you know, people are passionate about that. They, You want to say, well, that's not what I see. That's not what I believe. But we do try to track all of that. Because again, as a human, I may experience a thousand battles, right? But then we may, but then we have millions of battles to, to look at. 
yeah. right, in terms of yeah. looking at data. And so sometimes, even though you have a thousand battles, maybe there's something weird and anomalous, or maybe the way you play affects all of those things. So those are the things that we have to take into account. So when you're talking about things like um, monitoring live game health, monitoring the community, obviously this is a worldwide brand in a worldwide game. So your players are in every time zone right across the globe. Does that mean that um, your team essentially doesn't get a break when it comes to monitoring things? Is there always somebody looking at the, at the, the, the hub, for example? Sure. Uh, well, we do have, there is a difference between sort of the developer side. The developer side, we mostly do it during our office hours, although there was a time when I was live producer when we would, it was 24, wow. uh, especially early on. That was very early on, and that was starting to wear us out. But we are an international organization. We have thousands of people working worldwide, and we do have not just the developer, but the publisher side. So that's how we kind of distribute the work out. So um, some of the other offices are also monitoring during their business hours, and that works out pretty well. That gives us coverage. When we first started, we were still trying to work out how to be a global organization to deal with the global product, because on the PC side, it's all done by regions. So uh, the console product was the first one where the same build would be pushed out to every user, no matter where you were. So we had to work out some of that. So, so people who are with us from the very beginning probably remember some of that. But we've done our best to make sure that we're consistent across all the markets. And in terms of operations and stuff like that, now we have you know, operations centers all over the place that are monitoring this stuff 24-7. That is amazing. Absolutely incredible, the things that it takes to keep a, a big thing like this going. Um, Let's turn our minds to World of Tanks Mercenaries, as we mentioned sure. uh, at the top, and the whole reason why we're having a chat today is because it's actually come to console. Congratulations yeah. on the release and also on the release Thank of console. You um, Thank you very much. What can you tell us about World of Tanks Mercenaries for people who haven't had a, a chance to get their hands on it yet? Sure. So basically, um, what, what's happened is that we've been trying to evolve the game and develop the game specifically for the console market. And like I said, you know, our client is completely separate. Um, our content, we've been sticking to the core um, PvP play, a gameplay that the PC is known for. Um, but, you know, the reality is, as a console player, we have expectations. So last year, we did what we called the War Stories. And the War Stories, we introduced this idea of let's create PvE and let's create narratives. So let's create stories. And so that's, that's kind of, that was the introduction to all of this. And we wanted to monitor what, you know, basically what our community response was and it was really positive and that was very encouraging for us because the next step for us was to introduce some more of those elements that make it interesting and add some of those pve elements to it and add more personality and characters i've always said that you know world of tanks it's it's uh, primary characters are the tanks. There's no doubt about that, and it's still the case. However, we did find that people do react very favorably to having stories and imagery surrounding the crews that man these tanks, right? So, uh, you know, last year we added stories where we we're actually telling stories about the people who are who are uh, basically piloting these tanks or crewing the tanks, and um, that that gave us impetus to further developed mercenaries. I mean, honestly, the other thing that we were looking at is people want more tanks. But when you're a historical game, there's only so many tanks that were made in that, you know, in that historical period, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And so um, what the other thing that we decided that we could do, and this was done to a certain degree in, in, in history also, was, you know, sort of what I call the fantasy football of... Um, of tanks and start looking at what possible combinations of tanks because in some cases you know there were countries after the war they had surplus of certain certain components but then th let's say that you know you had a lot of chassis from uh, leftover chassis from uh, american surplus tanks but then you needed to put a bigger gun on it so like the french did that with the amx chaffee and you know things like that where there's combinations and mix and matching of components yep. so we went one step beyond and we created the mercenaries universe and the mercenaries universe is basically the idea that these are mercenaries out there and they're building tanks based on pieces that are left over from the battlefield or whatever surplus hardware they could get their hands on and this is this is a great opportunity for a lot of it because I mean I've played a fair bit of World of Tanks and I've got a, a a fairly consistent crew that we play with and one of the conversations we have had from time to time would be oh my goodness how awesome would it be to put this gun on this tank chassis and so on and so forth and this obviously is that opportunity to make that 
uh, a reality for players. Right. Yeah, and so we actually had, again, this is a community feedback. We had a lot of communities saying, hey, what if you guys had mercenary tanks? And what if they had all these different combinations? Uh, the biggest the biggest sort of danger with all of that, and this is why, uh, you know, some people said, well, so why can't you just freely put tank parts together? Well, it's also a multiplayer game, and it has to be balanced. Yeah. So obviously, uh, if I could put together the best components of and, and and no flaws, you know, I take the very best of this and the very best of that and put it all together. And then you have a very unbalanced tank. Yeah. So what we had to do is that we had to find interesting combinations that gave these unique characteristics. Because, I mean, the truth is, although every tank is different, each country kind of has a certain philosophy and things that they're good at doing. And their tanks from those countries tend to emphasize those things. And so the interesting thing now is that we can recombine them. And, and, and there's a whole story and universe behind it, too. And so that, that came from the whole war stories part where people were engaged and interested in these stories. That, um, this uh, particular part of it, the actual narrative and building the story... <laughs> What did you have to go and do to get out there? I suppose the best way to say it would be to get your hands dirty, to go and find the information, to start building this sort of information and bring it all together. Right. So what happened was um, we, as a hint, uh, like in April, we kind of gave a hint to uh, uh, our users as to where we were, uh, our players as to where our story was going. We released uh, the war story called Spoils of War. And in Spoils of War... Uh, we talked about basically a World War II that went on much, much longer. And the whole historical premise behind that was that um, basically 1942 kind of unfolded very differently than it did in the world that we're familiar with. Uh, in the Pacific, basically, um, uh, Japan and the U United States at the Battle of Midway, it wasn't nearly the de decisive battle that it was historically where basically Japan lost all of their fleet carriers, well, most of their fleet carriers. And uh, because of that, and, and on the Eastern Front, basically Hitler was not nearly as aggressive, or Germany was not nearly ag as aggressive in their attacks on the Soviet Union, realizing that they would have a long fight ahead of them. Uh, which is a big, which is a big what if, and I and I understand that. But with that what if, basically, what happens is the war becomes very prolonged. So, for instance, um, um, FDR decides to go with a with a Japan first instead of a Germany first strategy, and because of that, he focuses all of his efforts on the Pacific War, and then that delays North Africa, that delays the U.S. opening up the second front in Europe and everything else, and so that has you know significant consequences yeah. ultimately the allies win i think that you know that the material advantage was just too great so eventually the allies win but it takes an extra three years to do it right right so right so do you yourself were you a historian um in this particular world of like you know tanks and uh war and all that sort of stuff before you actually joined the world of tanks team did you have a natural uh interest in it yeah so I have one of those weird careers into the game industry. I actually started off as a college professor no in, in the subject of international relations, yeah. which is basically the sort of, it's not quite pure history, but it's sort of like studying the theory behind uh, international conflict. So my specialty was international security. So it's actually like studying things like how do wars start? And what are some of the historical precedents for how wars unfold? How does diplomacy work and everything else? So actually, that's what I was doing. And uh, honestly, um, America overtrained their PhDs. And so I was like, I was, I was looking for a tenure track position. And I was working part time in the game industry. And then I go, you know, maybe working in the game industry is way more fun. So I decided <laughs> I, I, that I would take that route. And, and then that's kind of how I got here. So. I've always had an interest in all this stuff, and I have a bit of a background in it too, I guess. Um, uh, usually, I also was as a I'm a huge science fiction fanatic. Yeah. And the one genre of sci-fi that I absolutely love is one of those obscure ones, but it's alternative history, and it's the it's the it's these book it's a whole bunch of books that are written where they add well if one one what if if one aspect of history changed what repercussion you know but then you assume everything else proceeds logically from there. Yeah. What are the implications of that? And 
it's weird because one of the other big writers in there, Harry Turtledove, was also a college professor, but whatever. And so <laughs> I think that there's there's a tendency. Well, this is the interesting thing, right? Because a lot of people go, well, aren't you guys really into history? And I go, absolutely. You have to know history to change it. Absolutely. Yes. And, and it's really funny because – and then I actually recently was talking to this uh, history magazine and he goes, oh, that's really right. And he goes, yeah, because I go, once you – set up this interesting story they have to know what the what the original history was to know what the difference was yeah and that actually encourages even more study of things and so that's why i focus on some like events in 1942 to talk about something that happens in 1948 because there's this whole logical progression that comes from it and people expect that kind of that kind of you know realism so it's not that we are portraying historical events as they happened but we're using that as sort of the influence for the stories that we tell so, okay, I'm going to throw a question at you, and it's a question sure. without notice. Um, but now that I know that, you know, probably one of the conversations that you have a, a fair bit with your mates um, when it comes to alternative history is, what if this actually happened, right? Can you give mm. me one example of a conversation you have had about alternative history that would completely change the course of where we are sitting right now? Sure. Um Actually, that's how we did a lot of the war stories. So uh, the classic example is what if, for instance, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, what happens if we were very, very close to basically all-out nuclear war? Uh-huh. And if if there were not cool heads on both sides, there are multiple instances, like, for instance, um, at the last minute, the Soviet ships decided to not try to break the blockade. And there's now historical information that there was a Soviet commander who was ordered to retaliate if fired upon and he they thought that he was they were fired upon. It was a submarine group that was being fired upon I have read this story by US yes. ships. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened is that his response the problem is that he was armed with nuclear tipped torpedoes. So his response could have been perceived as a nuclear attack. And so he was very con- he he was very restrained, and despite the fact that it looked like he was he had been attacked by uh, the American forces, he refused to retaliate with a nuclear-tipped weapon, because obviously I think that I think it's pretty obvious to say that even if it was a tactical weapon and not a strategic weapon, if a nuclear weapon had been used against U.S. forces, the U.S. would have responded with nuclear weapons. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been a very very different world than we're sitting in right now. That is just incredible, um, and. Look, I, you know what? I'm going to use it as as an example of why, if you're watching this right now and you've been listening to this podcast and, and watching the VOD and all that sort of stuff, you need to get on and play this game because, <laughs> as you can hear, it is developed by people with a genuine passion for this history and this particular type of uh, development. So, wow. Um, what an incredible opportunity it has been to speak to you, Daryl. Thank you so much for your time. I Thank really you very much for having us here. Uh, not a problem. Yep. Um, as I mentioned, World of Tanks Mercenaries is out on console right now. And before we do let you go, uh, is there anything that you can tell us that is on the horizon that um, that we might be seeing over the next few months? So basically, when we created uh, Mercenaries, we, we've created basically this whole new nation that fits this whole storyline. So we're creating maps to match all of this. And we've already released some, and there'll be more coming. And then we've, uh, more importantly, we've released tanks as well. Uh, and so we've already released uh, five, oh, plus two today, actually. So there's a total of like seven tanks out there, but we are working on more. And the other cool thing is that if you do happen to play, you can keep in mind that actually... Um, uh, we actually use uh, voices from every language, depending on which nation the tank is. But mercenaries, because they're from all different nations, we had a huge argument about how, how what language they should speak or everything else. So we decided on English, but we wanted to do English that was a little bit different. So we tried to find sort of a little bit of a mix of... Um, uh, you know, a uh, Boer, like Afrikaner, uh, uh, South African, yeah, yeah. English, yeah. mixed in with a little bit of Scottish because we found an English actor <laughs> to do it. And it was just really strange. But we tried to make, even down to the, what the crew is saying, we tried to make it like some kind of almost a pigeon, uh, a pigeon or an English that's recognizable but not so recognizable, particularly I think for like in, in if you're not from the uh, South American accent is pretty unusual yeah, right so yeah, yeah yeah that's the kind of thing those are the kinds of things we're thinking about all the time and you know we put that in there so 
we're really committed to uh, the Mercenaries Nation, so we're going to keep releasing new content for that over over the upcoming year. Oh, and one more thing. It'd be stupid of me not sure. to ask. Um, you obviously play the game, right? Oh, yeah. Are, yeah. You, are you good? Uh, well, that I don't know about. Uh, it's, funny, it's funny because <laughs> I actually played the game before I joined the company. That was actually one reason why I decided to, to leave the company that I was previously at and, and join this company is because uh, I wanted to play a tank game. And, and I'll be honest, it's the only tank game that takes, like, all of the global fronts seriously. Like, you know, American developers tend to focus on three or four battles. I won't name which they are, but I think you can guess. <laughs> over and over and over again. And yeah, then, yeah. you know, like, we were given the permission, like, one of the scenarios that I did for for uh, war stories is the Battle of Romania. And I don't know uh, how many game companies would give their designers freedom if I said, you know, I went to my boss and say, look, we want to have Shermans fighting on the Eastern Front. Let's do Battle of Romania. And they said, sure. And I'm like, you know, I mean, that that's... So I've been playing this game for a long time. I won't say that I'm great at it, but I will say I've played it a lot. <laughs> that's amazing. And um, by the way, there is one other thing that I will just make mention of, because uh, this is something that I think is very important in the gaming industry, and that is um, uh, you... Uh, Wargaming.net actually does a lot uh, for the world of um, preserving history in the real <laughs> world, don't they? Like, they actually go out of their way... Um, with regards to military history and have programs and stuff to preserve that history. Right, right. And we work with we work with military museums all over the world. Um, it was weird too because I didn't even realize it. I was in New York and I went to the Intrepid and I bought my ticket and it, there was World of Warships on the back and I said, "Oh, I didn't even realize we were here." <laughs> uh, and then and we've we've uh, sponsored expeditions. We've actually paid for you know like. Um, like trying to uh, restore uh, uh, tanks and things like that, and and also to do digital preservation of some of this information and data. And and again, like I said, we have historians that are that are their job is to go out and collect history. And so those are the kinds of things that we're doing all the time. Unreal, Daryl. What a pleasure. Thank you so much, mate. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. 1997 was probably the best year for video games. This is a story at Kotaku.com.au. Can't get a hold of Alex Walker who. Uh, he's a good friend of ours, and um, we'll have a chat. Next wrote week. this story, but we'll because he's at an esports conference today. Yeah, um, mate, he's it's what he does. That's let's, how he rolls out the big stories. Tell you what, let's put up a poll mm. on Facebook. Yes, was '97 the best year in gaming? Ooh, it's a big, big call. It's a big call. Uh, we can come back to him next week. So we ran a poll, and and I think I, think, I reckon you'll find that. The thing is, you got to look at it from. There's there's criteria involved, right? Now this is before we read anywhere into this this story just yet, right? There's criteria involved. Okay, do you look at it from the perspective of um, what games were out? Do you look at it from the perspective of what games were launched that year? Mm. Um, the technology involved. The technology involved, right? You know, because I mean, fuck, we've had a pretty good couple of years the last couple of years. In well, terms just, of game yeah, releases. It goes back to Styx's review, doesn't it? The yeah. Golden Age of Gaming. Yeah, that's at GameOnAUS.com. Like, it's, there's, a, there's a lot there. And it's funny because um, Alex actually quotes the Golden Age in here. Not our story, but just that no, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but let's dive into this story. It says, there's been a lot of anniversaries lately. And whenever people look back at the games of old, the Golden Age often gets mentioned. But if we're being honest, you can arguably distill the Golden Age down to a single year. 1997. I spoke recently about some of the classics that were released in 1998. It was a classic year for plenty of reasons. Rockstar Games came into fruition, franchises like Pokemon came to the West for the first time, and gaming classics like Metal Gear Solid and Spyro the Dragon mm. made their way into the gaming consciousness. But if we had to pick a single year, a year that stood head and shoulders above the rest, it would be 1997. 1997 is the year that Australians were graced with the Nintendo 64. Aww. It's the year that some legendary studios came into being, like Irrational Games, who would go on to release System Shock 2 shortly thereafter. It's also the year with some true classics. For example, Grand Theft Auto, Star Fox 64, Dungeon Keeper, The Curse of Monkey Island, Wing Commander, Blood, Final Fantasy 7, Fallout, GoldenEye 007, Blade Runner, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, Crash Bandicoot 2, and it goes on and on and on and on. Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. Like, there are some classic titles here. When was Mario Kart? Mario Kart, that's a... I think Mario... I feel like Mario Kart was 98. Mario Kart 64, Uh, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to... Google Race! Google Race! Oh, God, I'm going to lose. That's because you're on a computer. 
Yeah, you bastard. 1998? Is it 1998? Oh, no. 14th of December, 1996. <gasps> yeah, that's, yeah. Because yeah. I remember playing it in early 97. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was going to dispute that. Yeah. But that, that I mean, you'd technically call that 97, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, you would because yeah, by the time you got if, it for Christmas. Yeah, if the initial release date was fourteenth of December, nineteen ninety six, most people are playing it and through January. T- to me, that what Alex is saying, it's it's it it is about what games were released in ninety seven, but also what you're playing in ninety seven. And I tell you, I yeah. played a shitload of Mario Kart in nineteen ninety seven, and I played a shitload of Chirok Dinosaur Hunter. Oh, yeah, oh Chirok right. was so fucking that. good. Chirok was amazing. Yeah, right. Okay, so <gasps> what? Oh, dude, how could I forget? Diddy Kong Racing was released in nineteen ninety seven. Oh. Yes. You guys know this is this, this is, is your this is your thing. This man. is my gaming the moment. Old, uh, Whizpig. Whizpig. Me oh, versus Whizpig. Oh, fuck you, Whizpig. Oh fuck you, Whizpig. But at the same time, thank you for the memories. You, <laughs> you beautiful swine bastard. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's a theme swan? coming here. There, yeah. there is a theme. There is a theme. <laughs> Stay away from pigs, Pete. <clears throat> so 1997. I mean, I will really enjoy picking um, Alex's brain on this a little bit deeper next week. But yeah, it's a it's a it, just Christ Almighty. If it's not the best the best year for video games mm. what is i'd like that i'd like that question answered as well if 1997 yeah. was not the best year if for someone video disagrees, games what was what yep. was the best year for video games and you know what it probably changes through generations i mean you know dan you're you're the other side of 40 and you talk a lot about your memories of the commodore 64 and, and the, the amiga, amiga. yeah yeah you know i mean do they sort of factor into the conversation when you're thinking about some of the greatest times that you had with video games. I, I, you know, it's funny. It's interesting that Alex wrote this article because I find as a gamer and, and someone who has an innate love of gaming, um, I'm not, I mean, I, I could probably argue I played as much gaming as I did in 86 or 87 that I did in 97, mm. but I was playing completely inferior games. I just mm. loved gaming so much. I was playing Strip Poker 2 in, in 1987. I know you wrote the review for it. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> and, it, I, you know, but that's the kind of thing I was, it doesn't matter. I was always gaming. Um, but I think in my heart of hearts, if you think about what games you would go back and play more and more of, it was probably 97. That's yeah. why I reckon Mario Kart has to fall in that category because I played, I only started playing that in 97. It was only two months old, mm. but it was only February or March. I first saw it. Um, and that changed my world too. We played a lot of that. Yeah. 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 You know, so um, I actually, I, I'm fully on board with this. I think he's spot on. Kaiser, what do you reckon? Well, with all due respect to Daniel, there are three generations in this room and we've all got very fond memories of that 1997. Yeah, it's a crossover platform, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is, it, is a, it is a crossover. It certainly sort of brings all those three generations together. Yeah. Mm. Then you get some nerds going, oh, well, actually, technically, 1978 was the best year in gaming because that's when the first game came out. It was Pong. It was so great. It's Which like, we fuck say, off, mate. Fuck off. <laughs> Um, so there you go. That's a, that's a great bit of conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Let's move on to a couple of things that we want to discuss. Um, I really quickly, before we get to, we we mentioned last week, 1997 in games, Alex Walker, our mate from Kotaku, Kotaku. wrote a great story about it. Yes. Um, and we actually followed through with something we were going to say <laughs> in, in a week. Created a poll. <laughs> we'll get to your the, the results from the poll yes. from the Game on Australia Facebook page in just a moment. Yep. But there's a couple of things I just want to touch on, Dan, before we get to that. Um, last weekend, uh, our Discord channel just popped off hmm. for some reason. Like, we went from 50-odd people in the Discord channel um, to over 110 people in the Discord channel. Now, yeah, wow. Right, and so it happened double. in the span of a 24-hour period. Yeah, because right? all of a sudden people just found us because one night there on the Friday night there was a big PUBG match going. Yeah, on, great. Right? Because the new custom yeah uh, servers went live. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, that followed on the Saturday. More people joined. Blah blah blah. We got together during the week. The the entire team behind the scenes of Game on AUS to talk about how we can build upon this. So we're launching something a little bit later on today called PUBG Casuals. Great. All right. So on the Game on Australia Discord, you'll find the link in a story I'm going to put up by the time this uh, podcast has gone live. Yep. Um, where to actually join in for PUBG Casuals. The link for the Discord channel will be there. Some of the great members like Rise and Prox and yep. whatnot are going to be running things. Yep. Um, it's going to be amazing. Become a part of it. It's just good banter, good fun. Yep. You know, lads just getting together, yep. having a bash on PUBG. Yep. And let it. And yelling each other and, and ladettes absolutely yep. so keep an eye out for that um discord pubg casuals the other thing is <clears throat> i've never mentioned this before right mm. but we 
thanks to um, the great workings of uh, Inferno, who who came with the idea and started it up, another great community member, um, we have a curators page on Steam. Yes. Now, for those of you who are console players, may never have heard of Steam, is the uh, basically the biggest online destination for where to purchase your games. Yep. Right? Um, it's created by a company who is by the name of Valve. Yep. Valve also owns and published and developed Dota 2. Yep. Other bits and pieces. Anyway, Steam is an incredible hub. Now, on Steam, there's a social media platform called Curators where you can actually create games and curate games, uh, create groups and curate games as behalf of that group. Yes. Inferno was like, dude, we've got to get a Curators page for Game On. Yeah, bloody hell. So we bloody did, right? Bloody did. He's been hammering the reviews from GameOnAOS.com into that. Yeah. Well, earlier today... A bloody, um, by the way, if you have Steam, you're listening to this, come and join the Game on AUS uh, Steam group. Yeah. Um, an email came through today. I'm just going to bring it up. And th- this is pretty freaking cool. Yep. So where are we here? This, uh, yep. Yeah, okay. So it came through from Steam. It says, new curator connect offers. <clears throat> Your Steam curator group, Game on AUS, has received an offer to review one product on Steam through curator connect. Yeah, right. Visit your curator page on Steam to accept or reject the products available to you. So I went over there, and sure enough, a developer who is an Australian developer yeah. has sent us his game to actually review as part of our Steam oh, curator brilliant. page, which is just brilliant. freaking amazing. Absolutely What's his name? amazing. Um, oh, God. Sorry. Now you're going to test me here because I sent all the emails off and replies and everything uh, this morning. So we're doing it. Absolutely, we're doing it. Yeah, yeah absolutely, That's we're going to do it. Um, but I want to go one step further. I actually want to get him onto the podcast because it's just awesome to hear from Australian oh, look. developers. You know, we spoke to Nick a few weeks yes, ago. Yes, you know? we did. Um, so, hang on a sec. I've got a little bit of information here. Uh, and it is... Here we go. Oh, come on, internet. <sighs> Mo. Mo. Christ's sake. I've got a feeling he's coming in next week, PS. Who, Malcolm Turnbull? He's coming over to WA next week. You're joking. And I reckon he's going to be in this building. Should form. I don't understand why this... Why doesn't... Facebook's being a bit of a dick lately as well, hey? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, The game's called Urban Lockdown. Great. I don't know much more about that. I love the name. Much more than that. Yep. All right, but the game's called Urban Lockdown. That's a great name. Um, We're going to check it out, and uh, we're going to get this guy on the podcast because it's always awesome to hear from great Australian talent in the publishing and developing scene for gaming. Well, you know, and and, um, being an avid gamer for, oh, God, 35 years. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, the making of a game fascinates me, and it's great to hear that people in Australia are saying stuff you to the world and doing it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's so good on you. Good, good on you. Good on you. Thanks for reaching out. Now, Dan, 1997 in games. Yes. I know we said we'd get Alex on this week off the back of having visited his article last week, but unfortunately we can't because, because we've we're been relegated. <laughs> we're in the bunker. We're in the bunker. <laughs> we really are in a bunker. Handhelds. Not yeah. even joking, right? No. Um, but. We did actually follow through with what we were going to say for a change and put up a poll on the Facebook page. If you're a new member um, of the... Uh, if you're a new subscriber to, to iTunes or Android or wherever yeah. you've found this podcast, yeah. if you go through like a lot of people do <clears throat> when they stumble upon us and listen to a whole heap of other episodes, you'll hear about stuff that we've said we've going to do and we've just never done it. Never done it. I've had a gaming song ready for three months. We yeah. haven't even come close to recording it yet. But that is the beauty and charm of Game on Australia. <laughs> We're lazy. <laughs> lazy bastards. We're relatable because uh, we're lazy. Yeah. Exactly. We're relatable, yeah, Dan. Yeah, Good one. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, this is the poll. Yeah. Um, it got thrown up there 26th of July, so it was last week. And it says, our mate Alex from Kotaku has just written an article suggesting 1997 was the best year in gaming to date. We want to know, do you agree? Oh, couldn't have written that better myself. I think you did. I did. <laughs> now, there were two options. Fuck yes, it was. Nah, another year. The results are surprising. Are they? They are surprising. Because I haven't looked at it since I put it up. Of course so, you haven't. Yes. The results are really <laughs> surprising, Dan. Um, because, me. I mean, for me, and we discussed this at length in the podcast last week, 1997 was a, a ripper year for gaming. A lot of titles that we hang our hat on as, you know, between 30 and 40-year-old gamers these yep. days, yep. around about that age, yep. 
happened throughout the Nintendo 64 Golden Age period. And golden being the operative word. I've got, I mean, I've, I've got lifelong friends that I had anyway, but that we've forged a, I mean, our indoor cricket team is based on a term that came out of Goldeneye. You I'm know. getting a phone call. Oh, yeah. Decline. Yes. Go on. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it, uh, for me, it's almost a watershed year for me in gaming. I yeah. loved gaming before. I loved gaming after, but that year I remember being... Just a bonzer game. Just a bonzer. Bloody bonzer. There's a bonzer. bloody good term, Pete, because it's bonzer. So 69 votes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, you did. Now, this yes, is what yes, I like. Yes, I like yes, to, yes. I like to think that the game on AUS community knows us well enough and knows <laughs> what it means to be a part of this great community well enough to have at some point gone there, yeah. seen the number of 69 and gone, we. I'm, I'm not going to ruin that. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. So funny. They've gone, I could vote, but... but I'm not. Nah, yeah. nah, 69's <laughs> too good. Um, so, thank you. Thank you so you, much. You, you couldn't write that. You couldn't um, plan that. Before we share the split, we'll share some comments. Ben Saunders says, there was the 64 fallout, etc. Uh, ben Uo says, a year off. 1998 was the best, in my opinion. Ryan Wallace says, I can kind of see why. Mario Kart 64, GoldenEye 007, Fallout, Age of Empires, Quake 2, Gran Turismo. Yeah. Rowan Barron says, hashtag Ocarina1998. Now. Yes. To which I reply, yes, 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 but I don't think the greatest gaming year or how good was this particular gaming year. I, I don't think it can hang on one particular title. No, it can't. You know, and that's probably more a conversation. What is the greatest game of all time? Absolutely, that was a fantastic right. game. And I, you know, I said it last week, Pete, and I'll say it again. You know, I think Alex is coming from the greatest game, in, in the, maybe it's the game's release that year, whereas. To me, I played a lot of games out of 96 into 97 that yes. made it, and still playing them. I yeah. played a lot of Mario Kart in 97. Chris Inglis, yep, 1997 was the best for me, mainly due to Ultima Online, Jedi Knight, and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. God bless those 90s Star Wars games. Well, and yeah, and, that's, and he makes a good point, because I think you and I, based on our conversation and our uh, memories on the console, you know, the 64. Yeah. Whereas there's a lot of great PC games, a lot of great Star Wars PC games. Yeah, PS. absolutely. Uh, he goes on to say, other notable mentions are Carmageddon, Age of Empires and Total Annihilation. Nathan Kalia. Uh, nah, 2004 Underground 2, which, yes, amazing game. San Andreas, amazing game. Yep. Wow. Yep. Half-Life 2, Burnout 3. Yep. I mean, those oh, are some it, yeah, huge right. titles and particularly with WoW, for example, yep. you know, this week, having seen the burning of the Teldrassil the, the world tree yeah, um, and how far WoW is still blowing the gaming world wide open. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. With updates. You know, that's, that's a fair uh, judgment there. Yeah. Um, Peter Cabotistrius? Yes. Yes, I'm going to go with you. that. No, you're welcome. 1998, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid, Ocarina of Time and Spyro, all notable titles. So, in 98, was it? Yes, in 1998. Now, here is the split. As oh, I yes. mentioned, yes, it was versus nah, another year. 33% to, fuck yes it was, 67% to nah, no, another, another year. year. Wow. Now, this opens us up to something. I want another poll, well, not another poll, but a, I want a thread, right, of comments Yes. Um, saying, okay, what? we did this poll, if it was nah, another year, which what year? What year was it? Let's, Which year? Let's do that. And I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to do that right after this podcast. You bloody do it. So dude. we're going to follow up in two weeks in a row. It's amazing. All right. Um, speaking of content um, for, for websites and stuff, mate, I know you love a good top five. I do. It's very BuzzFeed of me, I know, but yeah. that, that's exactly right. And uh, we're going to, off the back of, you know, what's happened the sort of last couple of weeks, we're going to back uh, we're going to back ourselves in here to the top five best illnesses to have while gaming. <laughs> now, those of you who are avid listeners of the podcast will know that we had a very, very um, uh, deep... In-depth chat. ...discussion yeah. about this podcasts and podcasts and podcasts ago. ago. Yeah. And I'm trying to think back to what it was that at the time we sort of felt was the best sort of illness for gaming. I, I feel like it was the flu or the common cold. I actually I think, think it, was, it, yeah, yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah. I think it wasn't gastro because you wouldn't be able to sit in front of the game. No. Well, yeah. yeah I, I actually think that's what started it. Was uh, I, I think pretty sure it was me. I was pretty quick at home and um, was given leave pass to just game. Because yeah. you can't do much else. Yeah. Just it's either that or watch, sit there like a vegetable and watch TV. But yeah. um, 
if you can get enough. Yeah, anyway, and that's what we're going to talk about, the top five. Okay, so... Does... And, and we haven't even, we haven't even prepared a list here. We're going to no, show, we haven't. We're, we're, we're just going to have it out, aren't we? <clears throat> we're going to have this it out. Pete's idea, and I love this. Do Let's we need go. to... Do we need to... Do we need to bring up the Centre for Disease Control for... Yeah, we probably do, list? but I could tell you now... And I, what I would consider an illness, Pete, and this Kai brought this up before we spoke about it, but um, an illness is also injuries, yeah, okay, that's fair okay. enough. Illness yeah, yeah. or injuries. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And actually, thinking about that, mm. because we both agreed to the number one, but I actually got to come up with a new number one for me, personally. Okay. So fuck you. I've thought about All it. Right, mate. Jesus. And it's, and I've got a reason why it's a, it's a defining number one for me. Syphilis. <laughs> you can't catch that twice, mate. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's think about a number five. So, okay. so gastro's out, right? Maybe maybe we okay. We throw a few out first. Okay. All right. So gastro's out. Definitely out because Definitely you, out. you can't sit there. And, you know, gamers can multitask, but there's one thing about, you know, um, capturing the point and worrying about shit in your pants at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah, online but, gaming, there's no pausing. We've, we've established yeah. this. All right? well, that, well, that's, and that's a very good factor to consider in this because yeah. there's no... Pausing. Yeah, exactly. And there was a night there um, not too long ago where I had the shits and uh, we were playing PUBG and we were, we were doing quite well. And I think if you go to twitch.tv slash game on AUS and check through some of the videos, you'll find the stream. Okay. Um, and I had to keep leaving. So it was it, hilarious. eventually Inferno just went and got a bloody car. And I sat in the Darcia the entire time, pretty much. It's like GTA 5 all over again. Yeah. A mandate. And they just they just drove me to every new circle because I was every now and again I'd I'd get out, I'd shoot a few rounds, and Brilliant. then I'd get back in again because which, I'd be like, oh, how, which kind of shooting on, on, in the game or on the toilet? In the game, and then on the toilet. Uh, so, like, oh, look, um, gastro's out, out, right? Um, I think arthritis is out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, arthritis is out because you know you don't want to be. I don't think anything where you're in where you're in pain, like pain that well, could potentially incapacitate you. Yeah, right. It's more pain where you can't sit still. Yeah, like that sort of like well, or even pain where if you're moving, you've got some pain. I know where your your mind's going with that look on your face, and you're thinking, okay, well, broken bones and stuff like that, you get a bit of pain there. But Sprained if you break ankle. a leg, fair enough. But you're it's tolerable, it, mate. You're just putting it up. What do you mean? A broken leg. Oh, yeah. You just, yeah. So you can sit in front of the TV. If you're a person who loves your VR, um, right? Then you're fucked. Then you, yeah, you are fucked. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're right. talking, no. We, all right, and car games where you've actually okay. got the pedals and everything. We're, we're just talking fucked. about general sitting there with your handset. Or keyboard and mouse. Or, or, or yeah, lovers. correct. Yeah, correct. Eczema. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> number five. Number, number five. Okay. Number five, I think, is anything like that. Eczema, chicken pox measles yeah. right because you're confined yeah you're probably quarantined too if it's mm-hmm. measles well anything and where you quarantine there, there is good. some discomfort yeah. but not enough to distract you yeah okay and what i don't like about chickenpox for example is the fact there is some discomfort i think that's a number five for me so anything dermatologically yeah associated yeah that is also uh and and, and, uh, um, and uh, uh, people can catch but Excluding stuff like burns, because I think that would hurt if you move. Mm. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've never really been badly burnt, yeah. so thank God. Yeah, I touch agree. wood. Um, okay. Uh, so that's right, right? What about a lactose intolerance? <laughs> no, but you're not off work for that. That's you true. Can, well, you can be. Okay. Well, no. Well, well can you? What about something like... Um, okay, so hang on. Part of the criteria means that you have to be off have work to be as off well. Work you have to be off No, that's a very good point. Yeah, it is a very good right? point. Right, yeah. Okay, so you have to be off work. Now, that... That right. flicks eczema because let's be honest, eczema you can go to work with, but chicken but pox chicken and pox, that's catchable. Yeah. And I Maybe we have to have a top three because I'm not thinking of any more more diseases. Well, because what about migraines? No, no, fuck no. You, you no, can't it's look at that. Nah, you know, no. Narcolepsy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That'd just be shit. Evil. Hang on, guys. I'm just capturing the. <laughs> <laughs> Get in the car again. Um, what about things that... Okay, now this is the beauty of the Nintendo Switch, for example. Mm. What about things that you have to go into hospital for a few days? Oh, yeah, and most hospitals call. these days great call. have yeah, TVs absolutely. where you can... Right Absol- Now I'm not talking anything particularly Peter. serious, but stuff where... Okay, say for example, like yeah, I... Yeah, wisdom teeth out. Right, wisdom teeth out. Um, I had to, a little while ago, I had to have half my thyroid out, yeah. right? Invasive procedure, not life-threatening or anything like no. that, but it meant that I had to stay in hospital for a few days. Yep. You know? 
bang, in comes a Nintendo Switch or HDMI cable for the console into the TV. Brilliant. Yep. The only thing with hospital stuff is generally any PC gaming is out. Unless you've got like a really great laptop. Yeah. yeah any PC gaming yeah. is off is off the yeah. is off the limits. Right. Yep. 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 So I okay. Think, no, that's, okay. That's, so hospital. I actually reckon that's probably more like a three peep. You reckon? So hospital associated illness. Yes. Yes. A is, quarantine is three. Yeah. Um, ulcers. What about ulcers. Yeah. It's tonsillitis. Though, but... Well, actually, tonsillitis, tonsillitis is a good one. Yeah. I've got a good one too. What? Hungover. Hangover. That's not an illness though. Well, it is. You fucked yourself. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You had a big. You work. You you work a... Doesn't need to know. I'm yeah, sorry, true. I've been up all night. I couldn't sleep. I've been throwing okay, up. Okay, so all it doesn't it doesn't matter whether or not you've lied to work to get the day off the following. No, day. You, have, you have to you have to so be what, genuinely. But card. but you, I've I've certainly been off ill from work for being hungover. Yeah, I've been I've woken up too drunk to drive to work. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Christ. So so you know that's uh, all right. So five is yeah, um, chicken pox and all that shit, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's make four. What did you say before? Oh, so, um, tonsillitis? Tonsillitis. Yeah, tonsillitis is in there. Okay. Because tonsillitis, in extreme cases, you have to go into hospital. Yeah, which and leads to three, which is your hospital-born diseases. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, this is like where, surgery I, This is where like we're going to differ, because I think there's only two left. Okay. Well, you well, give me... Well, there's two generations of illnesses. Well, you give me your two. All right. I'm going to put two as the common cold uh-huh. or the flu or whatever. No, nah, well, they're two different things. Well, okay, okay, because well. influenza. Well, like, I've experienced actually, it. You yeah, know, okay, you've got right, it. Cool. Yeah, flu. I actually found with my version of the flu I had this year, I, I found it very hard to game because I just was ill. Mm. So I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna roll that out. So common cold too. Yeah, yeah. I and I uh, add as an addendum to that a common cold with a throat because if you sound like shit, you sound like shit on the phone. Yeah, and that gives you an option to give the boss I, a call. I remember um, back in nine, uh, 2006, I was had a common cold, but I had an awful throat and mm. it sore throat. Though. Mm-hmm. It sounded terrible. Yeah. And, um, I was working for my dad and his PA rang up to, and I was, pl- I was sitting at home playing perfect duck zero by myself, pre kids. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And she rang <coughs> up and I sounded like shit. She went, Oh my God, you sound terrible. Go back to bed. And I was like, yep. Back to game. Yeah, right? new beauty. That's my two. And the only reason why I'm going to go with that for two and I'm going to claim, and I've had a few of these knee surgery. Oh Yeah. Or a broken leg as yeah. number one. When you're incapacitated, and why I call that a number one is because one, it doesn't hurt that much. Once you've gone through the pain of it and you're resting your leg and it's elevated, you're pretty much right. Mm. But you have a reason to get your wife or your mum or whoever to come and bring you food. Yeah. And you generally have a little piss pot next to your couch. Yeah, you don't you actually don't have to leave Correct. Okay, so that's I mean, would that sort of begs the question, what is the most important thing that you need? Went like the most important piece of criteria for like if you if you're not well, that right, you're gaming twenty four seven. Yeah, now. <laughs> right. So and you've got you've obviously got an excuse to sit there for as long as you want to sit there, mm. right? So, like I think if that's the key thing that you're aiming for, then yes, absolutely. I I think that something needs to come into that sort of discussion for the top two, mm. and that is if you have something that isn't necessarily. Um, doesn't necessarily incapacitate you or anything like that, but gives you a reason every now and again to have to take the day off, but you're perfectly fine, right? Yes. So say, for example, um, things that you might have to go to the doctor's surgery first thing in the morning for, yep. like allergies, yeah, maybe, okay. if you're, maybe if you're celiac. Like, yeah, yeah, like, not yeah. that I would, like, and again, no, no, and we're, not, we're, not, we're not wishing any of this stuff, yes, right? Yes, not yes. belittling it at any, no, no, no. you know, this is a genuine discussion here. Yep. But if you're celiac and you have it under control, but you need to go and have, you know, consistent checkups and every now and again, it is an opportunity for you to retain your health quite well as long as you manage it. But, you know, first thing in the morning, you go and you have it and, the, you know, so, oh, doctor's certificate, just give me the day off. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah, cool. No worries. I think you're very good. You, what, but yes, but yes. I think, and I think I know what you're about to say. Right? Okay, it doesn't give you an excuse to sit on your ass at home. No, I. And what my thing is about it, I think the number one's got to be something where you're clear of mind. And sometimes a common cold can fuck with your brain a bit. Yeah, it's you, true. You know and I mean? reactions. Yeah, yeah. Reaction so times if, are if you're if you're literally um, sitting there with a broken leg, you're completely fine. You're having food brought to you. Mm. You're pissing in a little pot next to the couch. Yeah. Um, 
number two is maybe a little bit tricky, but anyway, and that's that's the price you pay. Yeah. But I, I that's that's the number one for me. I don't think I can argue it. A broken arms, different story because you 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 can't. Yeah, because yeah. obviously you need to like yeah. control. And I've had a broken arm too, so that was a terrible six weeks. But I actually don't think I can argue that. I I don't think I can argue the broken leg. Or or a knee or a or a knee, knee or, or something, or something. Like that, I, or... I had a patellar alignment which put me up for six weeks. <laughs> Bad enough to put you off for a consistent period of time. Good enough to not incapacitate you from life. And, and don't underestimate the sympathy vote because that's where um, there's that's one time in your life where you can game guilt free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing, especially when you've got a family. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. So that's Jeez, I yeah no I really don't think I can I don't think I can argue. do you have an argument no, for it Kaiser? No. There'll be people listening going, What about a wart? <laughs> 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 Fucking idiots. Depends where depends where the wart is. Yeah. Every time we, we you know we go, Oh, what was that Star Wars movie again? And people are like, Fuck You call yourself gators It was a new hope no, whatever. <laughs> are we going with the broken leg or knee? Yeah, or yeah, yeah anything it, broken from the hips down. Is that that's the so top. Foot, I think, knee, yeah, 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 leg, knee, yeah. foot, yep, yep. But, toe. but repairable. Oh, yeah. Yes, correct. I do want reparable. Yeah, we don't want yeah. we don't want an amputation or something to. Yeah, know, yeah, 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 correct. Okay, I like it. Yes. <laughs> I actually can't. I can't I might, for the life of me think of an argument. I might do an article about that. Do an article. Let's about do an article about that. Do an article about that. I'll, I'll, it'll, be, it'll be out in about six weeks. <laughs> Good conversation, guys. Yeah, what well up? Good conversation. All right. Do I need to get the camera ready again? Are we going to nah, film this? No, nah, we, right. we don't need to film because this. Because sort of, this is sort of cute. I think I've, it's a cute, I've, done, I've done this before. Because I say this, I say this with cool. love. You know what I mean? Yeah. I say this one with yeah. love. I've yeah, yeah. got you in my sights. So this part of the podcast, for those of you who are fresh to, uh, to what we do, this is where we have a bit of a rant about something that's upset us with it, you know, be to do with gaming. or <laughs> Malcolm! Malcolm! Bill Morrow! Bill Morrow! Sometimes, you know, people come and into a... Floptus! Yeah, Floptus. And the old NBN Unco. Smellstra! <laughs> yeah, Smellstra. Nah, I... They... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yes. Right. Um. Now, uh, I... and Look, this is bittersweet for me because... Um, yeah. I always thought that uh, I would bring her up for the first time in the podcast um, under better circumstances. Yes. But, you know, obviously this yes. time around, it, yes. it's, it can't be the case. But no. My beautiful daughter, who we've just welcomed into the world, Isabella is it, Evie. Is it, yes. yes, Isabella Evie. Beautiful name. What the fuck? <laughs> um, I love you to bits. You are my, you are my my beautiful little girl, and I am your father, and I will always be here for you, always protect you, um, as long as you play video games. Yes, like your older sister. Be more like your older sister. Yes. Okay. Mila loves video games. She loves screen time, all that sort of stuff. Yes. We manage it. Yes, um, I'm exactly the way, same boat, you know, I'm going to toss both kids into this because they're both pissing me off a little bit at the moment. Because <laughs> Mila, for the past three nights, has decided I'm not going to go to bed until like 11 o'clock. Oh, oh. no, that, that hurts. Yeah. yeah. Now, you both I've, have kids. I've, oh, I've been do. there. You both have kids. Now, when she decides she doesn't want to go to bed, yep. right, You, I, I don't know what to do, right, because I really want to try my ass off to get her into bed, right? So you spend two hours... We start with her bed. In she goes. Then yep. she starts cracking it. She yep. starts going, I want a bottle. I want to get up. I yep. want all that sort of stuff. Like, all right, you know what? I'm going to take her to the back room yep. where I've been sleeping lately because I snore. Liz yep. needs to sleep, all yep. that sort of yep. stuff. Yep. Yep. Put her in there. She lies down on the pillow. She's out for like three minutes and then she's back. And she's like, no. Well, it's like all of a sudden she realizes that, hang on a sec. No, no, no. It's, it's still only 10 past 10. Right, so last night, for example, I want to like we we started trying to get her to bed by like eight, yep. eight thirty. Yep. She didn't go down until like almost midnight, which means that that's the night gaming is gone, mm. right? And at the moment, I'm in this clear, beautiful opportunity of space where Liz yeah. wants to go to bed early because she's got Izzy. Yeah, yeah. yeah Izzy yeah. needs feeds every yes. three hours or sort of stuff, so she's kind of like, "Hun, I'm just tired. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to take Izzy to bed and sort her out all yep. this sort of stuff." Right. Yep. Now, Izzy's the other one where she's like, no, look, sorry, Dad, but you can't because I'm staying up most of the night as well at the moment um, because I've got my days and nights mixed up. So mum's going to be tired, which means that you've got to look after as much of this shit as you possibly can as well. So you can't do much gaming. Yep. At the moment, I'm in the wars with yep. these kids yep. and trying to play video games. Yep. 
I think I've maybe touched the PC two or three times yeah, over right. the last week. Yeah. It's been rough, guys. Mate. It's been rough. And I I love these kids and I will I will forever love these kids. And I understand that this is just a part of parenting, but Christ Almighty, I just want to sit in front of the PC and play some fucking PUBG. Can I can I offer the my advice as the elder statesman here who's got older kids? Please do. And my kids are ten, eight, and six. Okay. It gets better. Um there is a sweet spot where, and it's happened to me now, where I actually can start gaming with them still awake. They're in their beds. Mm-hmm. They're watching, their, they're having their little screen time for the day. Mm-hmm. And it gets to 8.30 and I just say to, to Ronnie, mate, give me give me two seconds. Yep. And I piss off and go, oh, guys, time's late. And they go, okay, good night, dad. And they go to bed. Yeah. Um, they know I'm gaming, they, they, but they know they can't come out and watch. Yeah, they're at a, a stage where they understand. Correct. Like it, it's bedtime. Yep. And I get this and I'm a kid. So it will get better. But I understand your frustration because as a gamer, there's nothing you want more when you've got a window to take it. Oh, and man. Especially if you've got people waiting in a squad. Yeah. And you can't because... Well, I've got Rise sending me a Steam message yeah. every night at the moment. Yeah. Um, a, a Discord message for the Game on AUS server going, hey, mate. PUBG's calling your name. Yeah. Yeah, last past few nights. And he's sending it to me about eight o'clock, right? Is he got kids? No, he doesn't. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and different. All right, different. But you know, then I'm seeing like other things like like I will quickly just jump into the Discord server just to send him a message back saying, Look, sorry, dude, I'm just having a rough night with these kids at the moment. I can't. Yeah. You know, they come first. Yep. But then I'm seeing like Jake, my cousin, is in there playing PUBG, and I'm like, You've got fucking like two and a half, three year old. And a one-year-old, how the fuck is this possible? How is this possible? You're gonna how are you there then. doing that? What? Well, the wife's in New York at the moment on holidays. Working yeah. Holidays. I've got both of them. Yeah. Mine are three and two. Yeah. They were both, well, Dottie was in bed at six o'clock last night. Oh, Hugo was in bed by just... 6.30. So from seven o'clock, mate. So essentially what you're saying is I have ended up with two spawns of Satan. No, 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 no. No, there's stages. There are stages. It gets better. Yours are three and one. Three and two. Three and two. Yeah. I can tell you. Mine's two. Yeah. One of the greatest weeks I had in my life was Mm. when um, Luca, my oldest, was just about to turn a year old. Yeah. And uh, Leona really needed a break. So I sent her to Bali for a week. And I took took the week Mm. off work. Mm-hmm. As whole, as my leave, and I sat. We we just woke up. We watched some TV. She went and had a morning sleep. I gamed. She got it for lunch. I gamed with her. Then she went to bed at about six. She was a good sleep too. Six thirty every night. Boom, and I gamed all night. It was fucking great. What a what a hero you are! Thank you very for much. Sending yeah. her. For sending your wife on, on her win. one barley trip for the yeah, year yeah, yeah, yeah. while you're off every, every second fucking week on a Melbourne trip or America, golfing yeah, or yeah, America yeah, yeah. or oh, you. That's just, just what heroes do. Mate, I, I can tell you now, it gets better, but now you've got a responsibility too. So yeah. when Rise, for example, has kids, you, 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 you've got a mentor. You have to pass on the information. But you know, really? and I have the same thing with Ronnie. Ronnie had kids a bit earlier than me. And so when there's times like, oh, mate, I've got to go. Give me ten minutes. He's like, he's never. He's like, no worries, mate, because he's he's been there. He gets it. At least and, we understand. And there's a there's a um passing on of information. So what you were going through mm. is uh education and knowledge for when uh the next person in your life comes along who has kids goes through the same issue. Yeah, you can pass right. it on. Okay, lovely. Well, thank you for the advice, guys. Pleasure, Very sage mate. indeed, and that is the beauty about this community. A lot of us are fathers, are gamers, we're fathers, we're parents, yeah, we're parents mums. and mothers yep. and all sorts yep. of stuff. So um, yep. Thank you so much for listening to the best of the weekly game on AUS podcast now available on iTunes, Android and podcastone.com.au. And don't forget to join the game on AUS Facebook community for a chance to score a brand new Battle Bull gaming chair valued at $349. My name is Pete. Have a safe flight. Enjoy your time at your destination and we'll catch you sometime soon across the game on AUS podcast.